0: attention the milf and me podcast contains strong language and open conversations about sexuality a multitude of lifestyles and occasional criticism of political fuckery keep politics out of your pants folks your hosts antonio and diana are not certified relationship therapists we are cynical assholes with microphones pretty much like every other podcast and so with that out of the way enjoy the show Hello and welcome to episode one of the MILF and Me podcast. My name is Antonio. I am obviously the me in this dynamic. Let's introduce you to the MILF, my longtime friend, the lovely, the gorgeous, the MILFy, Diana Kojanis. Diana, how you doing?
1: Good. How are you, Antonio?
0: Episode one. I know. It's awesome. I'm so excited. So, folks, we put this podcast together because... We've got at least 10 years, maybe more, of text threads and late-night sobbing phone calls and over-dinner, over-drinks, just bullshit about dating in your 30s and 40s as single parents in a conservative state like Utah, where we are located, where it is predominantly a religious community, a conservative community, And we are really neither of those things, which made dating very difficult in our youth and, I'd say, even more difficult in the primes of our lives.
1: Absolutely, 100%. Some of you may know, some of you may not. Antonio definitely does. I grew up in Provo of all the places, the epicenter of hell, if you will. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I learned very, very early on that uh, religion was a very important thing if you wanted to settle down with someone.
0: And it really just affects how you are, I'm gonna say, romantically nurtured in your teen years, in your early 20s. You have to find yourself making sacrifices to just fit in with people. You find yourself, you know, trying to watch your language, not telling people that you are not religious, not telling people that your parents drink or that you watch R-rated movies. These were things that we had to deal with growing up when we were first kind of planting our romantic roots.
1: Yep, that's right. And then, you know, obviously I grew up not Mormon. That was huge. That was a secret I wish I could have kept, but It obviously comes out as you get to know somebody that my entire family is not Mormon. But, you know, I ended up getting baptized when I was 18 because I wanted to fit in. Right. And that was the thing. Like, that was the only way I would have that family dynamic and have be married, I guess, if you will. You know, that was all in Utah County. But since then, I have moved on. I'm not religious anymore. I left the church when I was 30, right when I turned 30. And I wasn't. Crazy about it. I didn't write some letter to the church. I just uh, gracefully stepped away and stepped back. It just wasn't for me. And that is when, you know, I was about 30, I was a little bit 31 maybe after I got divorced. And that's when my single and dating life began. And that was exactly 10 years ago.
0: And that's the whole point of this podcast because we have pretty much the same time frame. Um, I was divorced at 31 started dating in this new culture that i was not familiar with the world of online dating and dating apps and no longer meeting people in public places or bars or as in my early 20s the local barnes and noble in the poetry section the world had changed and you and i have referred it to many times as the shit show. The the shit show for us is this world that we kind of tredge through, getting ghosted on dating apps and starting relationships that all of a sudden just break apart, either because your new partner or new romantic interest doesn't want to be a part of your kid's life, they don't want to be a part of your social life, they don't like the fact that you have male and female friends. Let's talk about that for a second. I always feel like you and I have a real kind of when Harry met Sally dynamic, if the two never hooked up, if if they never had that hookup moment and they just spent time in the deli bullshitting and talking about orgasms, that's been yours and my friendship for like the last 10 years. But instead of like writing a book about it or a blog, we're doing it as a podcast.
1: Yep, absolutely. I mean, there's been so many experiences and stories that I've come to you, particularly during this journey that I've been on, because I know you get it. You're on the other side of that spectrum of you're the male version of this shit show, if you will. I'm the female version. And so, yeah, i am very, I mean, I'll just tell you right now, and I'll take a minute to tell you I'm very, very grateful for you and being able to have you in my life going through this. A lot of people don't have that. And it literally is a shit show. It gets frustrating um, to be able to have someone to bounce ideas off of or, frustrations or things like that. But yeah, it's it's quite interesting, the adult world and the swiping left and right when you like someone and you, it's all off of looks and then uh, you meet them in person and things are just very, very, very different.
0: So what we are planning to do with this show is let you into our lives of, you know, I am no longer on the market I have a beautiful fiancé, I have a beautiful baby, I got out of this shit show. Now, while Diana is still currently swimming, our hopes is that doesn't go on forever. That doesn't mean that the cynicism that we have towards the shit show of other people in their 30s and 40s going through the exact same thing isn't entertaining to us, isn't emotionally gripping for us. We want people to find romance, we want people to find love, but we are also cynical assholes. We will deconstruct what people are trying to put out there, whether it is a dating profile, whether it is a personal ad, or this new fangled invention called TikTok and Instagram, where all of a sudden we've got these non-vetted love gurus yes. teaching people all these different philosophies that may not be 100% accurate.
1: yeah the guru part it just makes me chuckle because really anyone can do that right anyone can jump on tiktok and give you advice on dating or marriage
0: anyone can jump on a podcast and do that yes and so that's one of the things let's say this is our mission statement right I'm gonna say right here and now to all of our listeners we are perfectly aware that we do not know anything we are not philosophers we are not PhDs in romantic uh, relationship therapies But we've lived, and we've lived through some shit, and we like to deconstruct things. The way that information is received by people is totally subjective. The way that the gurus are. Like, you and I could watch a love guru, and you might take a completely different message from him or her as I would. Yes. That's how podcasts and I say anything that's, you know, an auditory medium works. People will translate whatever they see fit, whatever fits their dynamic.
1: Totally, 100%. I agree with that. Yeah, the gurus are good stuff. I mean, just like Antonio was saying, we are not professionals. We, I consider myself professional dater, if you will, just from the (laughs) 10 years of experience. But I'm not a doctor or therapist by any means. Um, It's just really fun to bring some things to people's attention. And I think it's great that everyone has their own opinion. And hopefully no one gets offended. Everyone gets offended so easily these
0: days, it seems like. Seriously, this is like an op-ed podcast. But... We are perfectly aware that people take op-eds as literal. People take op-eds as gospel. We are encouraging you not to. We want you to be entertained by what we have to say. Now, one of the other things that we are going to be approaching is the whole idea of dating profiles. We're going to see what Diana thinks about the men on the market that put themselves out there, how they put themselves out there, so my take on this,
1: honestly, is it's a resume. This is your resume for being single. This is what you're taking to the table. If you're going to go to a job interview, you're not going to take some resume that's just thrown together with something that's just shit. Like, that's what it looks like when you're looking at some of these profiles. As you see their first photo, that's what's selling them right off the bat. And you question, that was the photo they chose for their profile picture. And sometimes it's their dog. It's not even them. Sometimes they won't even choose a photo of themselves. And sometimes it's... Um their favorite sport and still it's not them or it's a group. There's like 10 dudes in the photo
0: and you're like... Which one are you supposed to be here?
1: Which one are you? I don't know. So it gets frustrating whenever I see that. I just, I don't even like it. I don't even try to connect with someone like that because I'm looking for someone that's serious about being serious. I mean, it's all fun and games. And at the end of the day, we're on there to find somebody.
0: So one of the things that we will definitely put out there, we're not going to give out names. We're not even going to give the name of the app that the profiles are from. This is simply a deconstruction of what we see people put out there. You know, this is the MILF and Me podcast. I am sitting here with a Utah MILF.
1: <laughs> yep, yours truly right here.
0: So I'm curious, when, Diana, did you accept the fact that you were now a MILF?
1: Well, so I do have three kids, probably, I'd probably say four to five years into being divorced. I think I was starting to embrace it about 35, 36, as my kids are getting older their friends have an opinion, and their friends see me and they come home from school and they're like, Mom, my friends can't believe that you're my mom. Like, they you, they say you look so young. And I'm like, Is that what they say, huh? Tell me what else they say. <laughs> I think that was the point where I was like, mm.
0: I think it was funny because I was there. I saw it. I saw the transition. And it was really fascinating because, you know, we, we spent a, a chunk of time not around each other. You were in California, married. I was in Portland and then back here, married. And then Our divorces kind of happened around the same time. And we were just kind of hanging out, talking, shooting shit. And then I started seeing that transition. Well, all of a sudden it's like, you're going out a lot. You are out dancing a lot. You are sending me pictures of a lot of fun things. I just was like, okay, this is her new lifestyle. She's discovering her 30s. She's in her prime right now. And I was dating someone way younger than me. And I was living vicariously through them. I was kind of having my midlife crisis at age 33. Definitely not advisable.
1: Yeah, I remember that one. That was good stuff, right there.
0: So I, I think that was a very interesting approach to us, as you were starting to like really embrace this lifestyle that you were now becoming. I was trying to turn back the clock, and I don't advise that for anybody. You know, I could have. I would have been a much happier mid-30s person had I not tried to do that. So let's talk about MILF culture in this current generation that we're in. I feel like it's starting to get younger and younger. In the late 90s, when I started to hear the word MILF, we were all thinking about Stifler's mom from American
1: Pie. 100%. That is what everyone thinks.
2: (laughs) Do you have anything to drink? I believe the kegs are upstairs. That is what the Cretans drink. I'm talking about alcohol, liquor, the good stuff.
1: All right. I got some scotch.
2: Single malt?
1: Aged 18 years. The way I like it.
0: That was like the quintessential first one that at least our generation was familiar with. And I remember by 19, like, oh, she's so much older but I feel like it's gotten a little bit younger and younger. I think partially because divorce rates are so high in this country, there are women who have kids young, especially in this state.
1: That's right. I mean, you have to because your missionary gets home from this mission and then you need to hurry and get married so you can have sex. And then you're you're all of a sudden a young mom, your young parents, and then it doesn't work out because you didn't have any experiences. You drift apart, you grow apart. I mean, that is... One of the main reasons why the divorce rate is so high in Utah is because people need more experiences. So they divorce, they go separate directions, and then next thing you know, they're out in the dating pool.
0: So that's one of the things that you can notice about women in Utah in their early 30s. Now they have 10, 12, 13-year-old children, and this is the time that they start really embracing their sexuality,
1: I'm pretty fucking real. Like, I am very real and raw and honest, and what you see is what you get.
0: And see, but that is the energy that you bring to your lifestyle now. You are not trying to fit into a group. You're not with these group of 10 girls or women that are doing their yoga classes and the color me mind groups and the paint night at the local bar. Like, you see those. Yes. I feel like you avoid that like the plague.
1: I do. I don't fit into that group whatsoever. Um, and I'm not quite sure why. I just don't. I mean, that's great that they have their thing. Um, but my thing is really, honestly, my kids, when I have my kids, and when my kids aren't with me, then I really focus on myself. I've, been, I've just been preparing myself to meet my person. I mean, that's what it is at the end of the day. I'm not looking to have a huge circle of friends to go boating with and do all these things that all these couples or these singles are doing. That's not me.
0: So with the energy you put out, what would you say the main stereotypical group of guys that are in your dating pool are after? How does your energy attract and what repels from your experience?
1: Um, My experience would be I tend to attract older men, um, definitely not men our age, or younger because I just, I think women mature a lot faster than men. I mean, that's been proven, but um, I just have a more mature mind and outlook on things. Um, And so I have, I do attract that for sure. Careers are really big. Like that's a big thing to me as someone with a really solid career, someone that's smart. I tend to attract that because that is what's important to me. Um, every once in a while I attract those, you know, the ones that are pretending to have that career, pretending to be uh, more mature for their age. And I can see right through it. Usually that's what's tough is getting good at reading people. I've gotten very, very good at reading people and feeling their energy. I know when someone's just full of shit
0: if you will. So this is one of the topics that we've talked about many times, and it's one I kind of want to explore. The whole idea of being an attractive mom, a MILF, so to speak, has now become a sociological and cultural stereotype. And just like any stereotypes, it will be presented, sometimes exploited, in pornography. So this is really interesting. So in 2021, The term MILF was the third most searched genre on Pornhub. Does that surprise you?
1: Um, Of course not. We're sexy.
0: (laughs) So according to 2020 Men's Health article by author Justin Laymiller, Ph.D., he kind of explored a survey of 4,000 American adults about their fantasies for his book, Tell Me What You Want. And he found that 88% of heterosexual men said they had fantasized about MILFs before. In addition, 42% said they fantasize about MILFs often. And like I said, in 2021, it was the third most searched genre. This is interesting to me because when I was a kid, let's say 13, 14, so this would have been like in the early 90s, when you're first kind of discovering Pornography, Skinamax, you know, you were seeing the very stereotypical Playboy penthouse model. Let's say early 20s. There always seemed to be some kind of like college or schoolgirl theme. That is what was gracing every magazine at the bookstore, at the gas station, even biker magazines. That was kind of like the it thing of the 90s. And then sometime in the last 10, 15 years, people have started appreciating older women, Mm -hmm. sexier women, women who are more confident with their sexuality. And I'd say a little less of the stereotypical college bubbly personality that just wants to take their top off. From a male perspective, based off of all the dating apps and things that are going on with ghosting and catfishing, and all these new terms that we're becoming more familiar with, there almost seems to be some kind of comfort and safety and approachability about an older woman who is embracing her sexuality. We feel like there's more stability there. And I think that is what is driving the attraction. That is especially for me, and a lot of my guy friends have told me the same thing. There was this day where Men were always having these midlife crises and going after the younger women. Well, that's kind of changed. I feel in this crazy world, stability is a little bit more important. And what represents stability more than a mature woman who knows what she wants and knows what she does and knows what she can get, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, times have changed, too. I mean, back when you're talking, when you and I went to middle school together, right? Mm -hmm. Back in the um, early nineties, the world has changed. Women are career holders now, you know, everything has come such a long way with that. So it is way more attractive. I mean, men are attracted to that. Like you said, confident, uh, solid career and mom, like we are mothers. We multitask for a living. And even if you're not a mom and you don't have kids, you still have experience or, you know, career. Like I said, you have all of this background and knowledge. And women are very open-minded to the fact that men recognize that. And we know Mm. that. And we feel that, right? Where the tables turn is there are men that have good careers. Right. And they're very smart. And they're dads. We've had to fight our way into the top of our career. You know, we've had to stick up for ourselves or we've had to bring a lot to the table. And so when we, we've learned and we've taught ourselves or we've trained ourselves to own a room when we walk into it. Right. Right. And so men are a little different. They do have their whole career and not so much time with the kids and not so much time working so hard to be seen like a woman has. I mean, it, yeah. it, the world is just different nowadays.
0: That's an interesting point. And, you know, there are so many of these men support groups and men support gurus on TikToks and social media. And I find it really interesting because I, I know a lot of real professional guys that are just totally alpha aggressive with their career. They're top salesmen or they're CEOs. They own the room at work. But there is a fragility and an insecurity in their home life which uh, this is just my opinion, I have no factual basis on this. You are so aggressive and just take hold at work, Mm -hmm. but you are so just collapsible over the slightest thing at
1: home. Yes.
0: I think there is an expectation that there would be a consistency between that work life and that home life. And when there isn't, I can see how that can cause some disharmony in a couple.
1: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, when you're dominant in one area of your life, when you get home, I mean, you've used all your dominance throughout the day. You get home and you're just like, oh, and you just want someone to be that to you. You've been dominant all day. And this is a very easy topic for me to discuss because that is me. I'm describing myself. I'm in so much control with my career and my kids and my everyday stuff that when I get home, I want my partner to take charge. I love dominance. I'm a very dominant woman in general, but when I get home, you know, and this is simple communication. Yes. I mean, we could go on and on and on about communication and how to communicate that to your partner. There is a lot of dominance with men at work when they get home. It's a little bit different and that can cause marital issues, literally. I mean, I've seen it. I've experienced it myself, but women are very confident because look, look where we are. Look at the ways of the world. Look how many doctors are women. Look how many more the vice president.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Do you know what I mean? I mean, I'm, I'm not saying names. I don't like to say names, <laughs> but there's just, there's so much going on in the world. So much has changed.
0: And it's interesting because going back to the topic of pornography and this podcast is not about pornography, but you got to admit that the people that put it together definitely know the psychology of the male brain. Because that's mostly their audience. There are women that love porn, too. And they make porn for women. But there is something about, let's say, mainstream porn. Not like the, the stuff that a lot of people are into these days that is a little too aggressive, I think, for most tastes, including mine. But this is something that I found very interesting. So this guy who wrote the book, Justin Lay Miller, the Tell Me What You Want book, he found that Mills in Pornography were usually depicted as having higher occupational status over their male partners, something that was never once observed in pornography of the 80s or 90s. Specifically, more than four out of five MILFs were shown having high-status jobs, such as being the boss, the judge, the teacher, the professor. And by contrast, men were usually depicted as students or lower-level employees. So, this goes to like this theory that I have where, you know, we all know about the whole dominant and submissive community. I think that deep down in every man, there is some kind of desire to at least have some of that in their love life, in their romantic life. I know that there are some that are just like, you know, I bet it would just be fun to have my wife like play a cop and arrest me. Like there are these different yeah. fantasies because maybe this isn't what they deal with in their normal life. This is why I think that this particular genre and is depicted that way is kind of living out the male fantasy for them.
1: Yeah, that's, actually, that's exactly what we just got done saying, right? Right. That is so sexy. And this goes back to your question back before when we were first getting started on this whole conversation. Men are attracted to that. Men are attracted to confidence and to a role that is not expected. I mean, play cop, let's play cop and I'll arrest you. Or how about I stay home with the kids and you come to the door and be the handyman? How about that? <laughs> you know, so yeah, no, it's it right on point.
0: So this is just a taste of what you're going to get in future episodes. MILF culture, MILF lifestyle, and the deconstruction of the male fantasy. And now it's time to deconstruct a dating profile from the profiler. Diana, how many dating profiles do you think you see in an average day? <laughs> Is it way too many to even guess? <laughs>
1: I'm going to go ahead and plead the fifth on this one. (laughs) I mean, it depends on my day. It depends on if I have a slow day or a busy day. I mean, sometimes I'm laying in bed at night and I'm bored to death. I mean, it could could vary. 50, 100,
0: I don't know. Do you actually take the time to look at the profile, or are you just a mass swiper?
1: (laughs) I look at the profile. I actually do. I do my research.
0: So you've done your research. What would you say are some of the do's and don'ts of a good dating profile. We just pulled one up that you were really commenting a lot about, and that's the one that I'm kind of interested in because it really brings an interesting topic about the presentation of a profile picture versus the content of a profile biography, and that's hats. Let's talk about hats in profile (laughs) pics.
1: And I do have to correct you because it's not just one profile. This happens often. I mean, this is something that I see pretty often. It's not, it's not rare. Um, Hats. Yeah. Listen, I love hats. When a guy wears a hat, it's sexy. Guys look good in hats. I love to wear hats. But when you're on a profile and you're posting photos of yourself and you're trying to, you know, this is your resume. You're trying to sell yourself here. You're trying to connect with someone and you're choosing these photos, Right. Every photo you've chosen for your profile, you're wearing a hat. I'm talking about the men. I'm not talking about the girls. I'm talking about the men. <laughs> you have a hat on in every single one of your photos. It's noticeable, definitely noticeable. The first thing that I think of is this guy lost his hair really early and he's mm. very shy and he's super insecure about it. And that just takes me down a rabbit hole. I can go down a rabbit hole on this all day long. I mean, once you have a man that's insecure about his hair, then, I mean, what does that look like when he takes you on a date? Is he showing up to a date? You're going to a nice place. I look nice. I'm in high heels. And he shows up to my house and he's got his hat on. That's fine.
0: Y'all go to Ruth's Chris. He's wearing a suit and tie and a Boston Red Sox hat.
1: (laughs) You know, and I mean, I don't dress up very often to go on dates, However, if that were a scenario that runs through my mind, like how often is the hat coming along with us? And then if you're super insecure about your hair, your head, the way it looks because you're balding, you know, you started balding when you're 30 or something and now you're 36 or right. 40. It's kind of glued on your head. So intimacy. I mean, it takes it takes me a long time to get there. I have to have a deep connection in order to get there. I wonder if that guy's bringing his hat because you know he's, can't even post a photo of
0: himself without it on. It's weird. It's almost like a body dysmorphia type thing where like some people can't take a picture of themselves without a filter. A guy can't look at himself in the mirror or feel confident unless he's got the hat on. I know plenty of guys that I've known for years and I've never seen them without a hat.
1: Yes, I have. I have also. I dated someone that loved to wear his hat and the, the tucking of the ears, that's gotta that's oh gotta God. stop. That's gotta stop. Stop tucking your ears underneath your hat. It doesn't work. At the end of the day, us women are looking for a man that's very confident in himself. We're not looking for a project. We're not looking for someone to I mean, if we maybe you have kids at home. I have three kids. I'm not looking for a forced child. I'm not looking to raise somebody and teach them confidence. We are in our forties. I don't have time for that. I am ready to meet someone that's solid, knows what he wants, is very comfortable with what he sees in the mirror, and can post a fucking picture without a hat on.
0: In your experience, have you dealt with this hat situation? And what kind of hats are we talking about? Are we talking about baseball caps? Are we talking about cowboy hats? Are we talking about fucking sombrero? I don't know. Like
1: (laughs) Just the basics. Just like your basic everyday baseball hat or snapback hat or whatever. I mean, listen women love a man in a cowboy hat I mean, I'm gonna speak for all the ladies on that one uh, it's very rare that you see a cowboy on a dating app that has his cowboy hat on in every single photo
0: they kind of figured it out
1: they have yeah they, <laughs> they put a couple sexy ones on with their cowboy hat and then the rest of them they you know they show their true hair head because they're confident but it just that's the at the end of the day that's what it's all about is confidence
0: you know here's the thing let's talk about cowboys for a second I i am quite envious of the cowboy lifestyle. I hate horses. I hate farms. I hate cows, unless they're on a plate. But (laughs) (laughs) there is something to be said about the cowboy lifestyle, the cowboy culture. I mean, my mom's into cowboys and there is something about the confidence of someone in that lifestyle. They can wear those cowboy boots anywhere. I've seen guys play baseball in them, just like, or a pickup game of basketball. Mm-hmm. And wearing the cowboy hat or not wearing the cowboy hat, there definitely is some kind of masculinity that I envy from that cowboy lifestyle. But I just am too afraid and insecure to even try and pull it off because I don't have the personality to match, if that makes sense.
1: Well, it's their upbringing. I mean, it's in their blood. I mean, I, I grew up on a small farm. Don't forget. That's true. Um, but it is They are secure with who they are. They started at a very young age, busting their ass and working hard on a farm. And that is the lifestyle it's in your blood. And when you're taught at a very young age to get your shit done and not whine about it, and you don't have time to worry about how you look in the mirror, or if you're losing your hair, you just go and you work, you work your ass off. These men, this, the cowboy type men are, naturally confident and secure with who they are. Um, I'll just go ahead and share this little quote that my dad would always say. It's kind of funny. It's just one liner shit or get off the pot. Right? <laughs> that's a, that's a cowboy thought process like shit or get off the pot. And that is literally how they live their lives. And women are attracted to that. It is it is very, very sexy to have that dominant knows what he wants, gets shit done takes care of it, has no time to be worrying about, oh my God, I'm losing my hair. Don't let her see with my out my hat on. You know, like you don't get that from them.
0: And to close off the show, we like to deconstruct and highlight these love gurus that we find on TikTok, Instagram, pretty much anywhere on social media. Now, I will not name names or where I found these clips. I didn't even do any research onto what their credentials are because here's the thing when I started researching these guys, a lot of them don't even have solid credentials. They are pretty much doing what we are doing. Hey, I'm going to start a podcast. Hey, I think I know a lot about relationships. I'm going to start a Love Guru channel. And so with that, let's introduce our very first Love Guru. So we actually looked through quite a few of these before we decided on, and we have a whole bank of them ready to go. And here's the thing. We are not here to make fun of these guys. We are not here to tear them apart or say that they are misinformed or causing harm to people going back to the beginning of this conversation, the way people receive information and translate it is subjective. Someone might actually watch this and feel like it really resonates. with It's the exact thing that they needed to hear. to make their relationship better. Or we can deconstruct it and be like, that doesn't work for me or anyone that I know. So let's go ahead and see what this guy has
2: to say. For my men out there, three important relationship tips. One, when it comes to household labor, instead of saying, just tell me what chores you want me to do and I'll do it. Say, I know it's an extra burden to keep track of everything you'd like help with. So I'm gonna take care of things without you having to prompt me too. When it comes to emotional labor, instead of waiting for your beautiful partner to bring up feeling disconnected or disappointed, you address it right when it happens. You know when things get weird. You're not oblivious. You start the repair attempt instead of waiting for them to do it. Three, foreplay starts as soon as sex ends. What will you do? How can you take charge in order to keep that loving connection after you're both finished? Foreplay is not five minutes before you jump in bed. Get that out of your head. Flirt all the time as if your sex life depended on it.
1: I like this guy.
0: Now, the first time I watched this, I was not really impressed by the body language. So then I closed my eyes and listened to it again. And I'm like, oh, this kind of does resonate with me in a lot of ways. This is a relationship guru who is talking about long-term relationships, right? Someone that's been in a relationship or a marriage for a while. This really isn't information for someone who is just starting a relationship. What do you think?
1: I agree with you. Um, there's one word that comes to mind every single one of the things he pointed out. One, two and three. Communication, guys. That's what it is. Your person needs help around the house. You go, you approach them. Hey, what can I do for you? What can I help you with? So that you're not so stressed or you don't need to handle that by yourself. Take charge. The second thing he said. Um,
2: two. When it comes to emotional labor, instead of waiting for your beautiful partner to bring up feeling disconnected or disappointed, you address it right when it happens. You know when things get weird. You're not oblivious. You start the repair attempt instead of waiting for them to do it.
1: Yes. So number two. Yeah. Again, communication. However, I do disagree with the fact where he's like, you know, when things are feeling funky. A lot of people might not. There's some very, very, very detached humans in this world that do not pick up on body language and energy. They might not know.
0: I also think that, I mean, this is probably something that's more comfortable, like I said, in a relationship that's been going on for a while. But there is one of the major mistakes that men make is assuming an emotional state of their partner without really any prompting. You don't want to hear, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? Over and over again. So I think that part is a little bit misconstrued for me in the sense that like with my partner in particular, I've learned not to ask what's wrong if I see something not working. I let them tell me when they are ready. Because when I ask them immediately, like he says, they might not be ready or understand what their emotional state is. All they know is they don't want to talk about
1: it. Yeah. And there's certain ways to go about that. You don't have to say what's wrong. Right. You can say, how was your day? How are you feeling? How are you feeling right now? I mean, that is much different than what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong. I mean, I might have to disagree a little bit on the be in a relationship for a really long time. This is the type of stuff that should be happening very early, very early on communication skills. You need to know if you care enough about the person you're seeing, you're not dating around, right? You're with someone that's new and you're exclusive. Communication is huge. Communication is key. Change your verbiage, change your language around a little bit.
0: And I like what he talks about in the third part, but I'm still not quite sure I understand it. I want to hear your interpretation of it.
2: Foreplay starts as soon as sex ends. What will you do? How can you take charge in order to keep that loving connection after you're both finished? Foreplay is not five minutes before you jump in bed. Get that out of your head. Flirt all the time as if your sex life depended on it.
1: So he's talking about, he's not just talking about when you finish. He's talking about later on in the evening, the next day. Like he's talking about, keeping the relationship alive you're still flirting with each other you're still there for each other you're still doing things for one another making them feel cherished and loved and adored you're not just focusing on making sure that happens half an hour before you jump into bed because you know you're going to get sex that night that's what he's saying he's saying keep that alive and this is very 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 important to do because otherwise you just feel like an object
0: And it's no lie that spontaneity does kind of go away as a relationship progresses, especially if there's kids involved. You really have to plan. So that's where I really do agree with that because this sounds like a guy with kids. This sounds like a guy whose partner and him have to arrange, have to schedule intimacy and keeping that flirting alive. And let's say being in a constant state of floor play without being too obvious to the family and friends keeping that spark going. So that's the way I interpreted that as a guy.
1: Absolutely. That is absolutely right. Let me remind you, for us that are single here, Antonio, you <laughs> still have to schedule those intimate times too, because I do have my kids, I have my kids a lot, and those moments need to be scheduled. So it is very, very important to communicate to your partner. Always have that open line of dialect of, hey, what can I do for you? Or, hey, how is your day? How are you feeling? That's so much different than what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong? You know, that's like nagging. I would, I would be like, don't call me anymore, I'm done. I'm <laughs> <laughs> just kidding, I wouldn't be that bad. But anyway, uh, the foreplay, absolutely. You have to keep that going.
0: Before we wrap up this episode, we need to know what is the MILF worthy of the week?
1: Well, there's a white wine that I absolutely love, and I'm going to start off easy and and slow. I'm not going to get into the sexy stuff quite yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know there's a lot of women out there that love a good white wine. It's a Sauvignon Blanc. It's It's called Line 39. Um Most liquor stores won't have it, but every now and then you can find it, and it is absolutely delicious. It's not too sweet. It's not too dry. It's just right down the middle, and so I would say honor yourself, honor your body, your time, love on you, take a bubble bath, put some music on, and pour yourself a glass of wine.
0: Well, that is episode one of the MILF and Me podcast. I've had a great time talking with you, Diana. This was a lot of fun. I can't wait to do more episodes. Thank you. I'm
1: very excited, too. Thank you, Antonio.
0: So, everyone, if you enjoyed this, please subscribe, follow us, visit us at themilfworthy.com, where we will have all our latest episodes and all the MILF-worthy items that Diana brings to the table. Once again, I'm your host, Antonio. This is my co-host,
1: Diana Kujanis.
0: And we will see you next week.